We are in the last of our series called One, One or Uno, however you say that word, One. We've talked about one tribe. That means we are one no matter what our generational tie is, old to young. We talked about being one people, one people no matter what race or or ethnic background you have. We talked last week about one mission. We are all united about one thing, to tell the world about Jesus. That's why we're doing Scrooge. We're not doing Scrooge to entertain people at Christmas. We're doing it to tell the world about Jesus. We found out people like to come to Christmas plays. And when they come to Christmas plays, let's do the best one we can do, and let's do it with all of our heart, and let's share Jesus. Today, we're going to be at our last in the series. Um, you, we, you know what it's like, don't you? Everybody knows what it's like to try to log into a website only to see this come across the screen. <clears throat> the online ID or passcode you enter does not match our records. You have two or more tries remaining. Please try again or click forget ID slash passcode. We know what that feels like, don't we? Oh, we all know what that feels like. Password management is so difficult. Eight letter minimum, at least one capital letter, one number, and one symbol required. Do not use any password that you've used in the last three years. And then we're supposed to remember what that password is. Now what I do, I have this, I put all of my passwords in a password-controlled password keeper app. Really, it keeps all your passwords, but you have to have a password to get into the password keeper app. And when you think you did remember it because you tattooed it on your thigh, it turns out your computer is dyslexic and somehow got it mixed up, and so now you have to call. And you call the bank or the company or the website, and you say, I'm so confused, I can't get into my, this program. This is who I am, here's my blood type, Here, here's my family history, here's my ancestry.com stuff, swab my mouth, whatever you gotta do to find out it's me. Please help me, and this is what they say. Mr. Sims, we'll be glad to help you. Now what is your security code? My security code? Yes, the one we emailed to you three years ago when you opened up this account. So, I, I, and y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? You're all laughing because it's happened to every one of you in the room. So I think I'll just have one password to remember everything. Oh yeah, I'll do that and I'll make it real easy. It's going to be capital A-A-A, little A-A-A, number one, exclamation point. But every hacker in the universe knows that one. And then it's another whole story once you've been hacked. Is there a universal password somehow out there that works for everybody in the world and it's still secure and safe? The answer is no, there is not. The password for every application has to be exactly right. It has to be perfect, no extra spaces, no dyslexic letter patterns, no mistakes, perfect. 
And if you have that, you experience cyber salvation. I'm serious. A perfect password becomes your savior. Then you're free to enter the world of cyber bliss. Otherwise, it's a life of utter confusion, and we all know it. Now, I'm going to get straight to the point today. When it comes to accessing God and knowing God and knowing all that he feels about you and all that he knows about you and his perfect plan for your life and your purpose for being on planet Earth, for having a life-giving relationship with the Creator, I've got good news for you. There is only one password, and it works for every person on this earth, and it works every time, and his name is Jesus. Wow. Oh, yes. Today we're going to talk about the greatest one of all, one Savior named Jesus. Now, one of my childhood favorite fictional character stories was the Three Musketeers. I, I was a guy that always had a sword, a, a, a homemade one or one, a plastic one or whatever. I loved swords, loved swords. My next door neighbor's name was Bill Wilson. And back in the day, when I was growing up, nobody locked their doors and you just went in your neighbor's house if you wanted to. It was really dumb, but we did. We were all friends. And I found a sword in Mr. Wilson's bedroom closet while he was at work. I really did. And uh, it was a sword that he had brought back from World War II in Japan. It was a ceremonial sword. I played with that thing. He never knew it. He never knew it until he was old and retired, and I told him. And he said, I'm not surprised. I loved swords. Anybody remember what they used to say when they would don those feather, the three musketeers would don those feather hats and pull their capes back and take their sword and hold it out, tip the, take the tips of the swords and put them together. Anybody remember what they said? All for one and one for all. Loving it. For the sake of simplicity today, I want us to focus on those words, all for one and all. Like the musketeers, those two words say everything that needs to be said. Let's take the first word, one, O-N-E, one. That's point one is one. See, I'm being simple, like a password. Here's the scripture we focus on. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Man, that scripture has one and all everywhere. Love it. When God revealed the Ten Commandments to Moses, the very first thing that he listed was this. You're to have no other gods before me. I like how the Message Bible says it. I love this one. The Message Bible says, no other gods, only me. Oh, love that. There are plenty of other gods in the world. We all know that. There are plenty. Of, now, there have always been. Now, they're not truly gods. They are false gods, but they're worshiped by people as gods. People treat them like gods. You know, there are they're the idols that people treat like gods. And then there are things like money, science, education, government, politics, technology. It's no different than in Moses' day. Yet God insisted that we know the truth. There's only one true 
God. And that real God is a Savior named Jesus. Now that's the truth. I've just spoke to you the truth. Jesus himself said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now that would be the only way, the only truth, the only life. Not just one of several. Now in our world, people have a problem with our belief that we have one Savior. They have a belief that they have a hard time feeling that we should be exclusive about our religion. Well, I just think it's not right for people to think their religion is the only one. They say we have no right to claim that our God is the only revelation of God. They say it's arrogant, it's not fair, it's not nice, it's not your place. But folks, it's true. It's true. Look, it's not, I hate it that I have to use a one exclusive password to get into, to log into a website. But regardless of how I feel about it, it's true. You're not getting in the website without it. The opinion of the majority doesn't change the truth. How hard is that to understand? What did Jesus mean when he said, I am the way? He said, I'm the way to God. He meant there was no other way. Buddha's not the way, Muhammad's not the way, Krishna's not the way, Jesus is the way. He's the only password that works. The world hates us for saying that. They hate us for saying it, but it's true. We know it. That's what makes us Christians. We follow Christ and Him alone. People say, I'm a Christian, but I believe there are many ways to heaven. You're not a Christian. A Christian believes that you follow Christ. That's just the truth. You know, early Christians wanted us to bring the truth of one Savior to the whole world. It was because they loved people and they understood the only way that those people could come to know God was through Jesus Christ. They didn't just hang up some, some um, uh, a sign up that says, hey, we got another a really good way to go to heaven. No, they went and preached out that Jesus was the only way for a lost world. He's the only hope for a lost world. That's why we're concerned about missions. That's why people are in Romania today from our church. It's because they need to know the truth about Jesus. There is no hope outside of Christ for them to be saved. I want you to look at this scripture. If you don't believe the Bible teaches this, look at this. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now, that's what the Bible says. So people that you hear on the internet or on television going, oh, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, and I just thank God that there's so many ways to They don't even know what the Bible says. By what name is this Savior called? There's only one name under heaven by which men may, what's his name? Jesus! It's amazing that all over the world today, as people are worshiping God on Sunday, they're worshiping Jesus. All over the world, maybe a billion people worshiping him, we're all doing some of the same stuff. I mean, we may be doing it in different languages, we may be doing it with different styles, but if you, you know, they all have this in common, baptism, bread, grape juice, It's amazing we share so many things together because we believe in one Savior, one God, one way. When I was a teenager, 
it was during the uh, Jesus movement, and uh, we, uh, we, um, we, we love the phrase, one way, Jesus. We, we like, I, had, I, had a, I was a drummer in a Jesus band. It was called the First United Jesus Band. It was really fun. And uh, I, had, I had a set of drums, and so I painted, I didn't, but somebody could, painted on my drum set, it was a cross with a, a finger pointing up, and it said, one way on it. And there were these stickers, they were orange. Anybody remember one-way stickers? Oh, yes, you do. Janet, you remember those things? <laughs> I put them on every locker at my school, a one-way sticker. I had to come take them off later <laughs> of every locker. But we did. We thought that was a great witness too. Those stickers were hard to get off, by the way. <laughs> anyway, one way, one way, one way, Jesus, one way, Jesus. There were all kind of songs. There were, uh, you know, Keith Green on an album cover has his finger up like this, like one way. It was a big deal because the world at that time was getting sort of, sort of crazy to where there were a lot of different options, a lot of different well, world religions that were making their way into America. And there was this thing that was saying, hey, look, guys, this isn't an American religion. This is God. One way, Jesus. One way. That exclusive message is difficult for people in our culture today to understand. But it has been for a while. Back in, I'm going I'm to go back to 1977, which doesn't seem that far ago to me, but for some of you, whoa. That was right after the Civil War in your minds. So, I was, I was uh, with a friend and in, in, I... Uh, driven to Washington, D.C. and in the summer of 1977 because I love history and nobody wanted to go, one person wanted to go with me and I wanted to go to certain things. If I went with my family, they would go, no, let's go to the zoo. I know I wanted to go see George Mason's house. I wanted to go see the National Archive. I want, there were certain things I wanted to do. I found somebody to do it with me. So we were in Washington. It was on a Sunday afternoon and I was feeling guilty because I had missed church that day. And uh, so I thought, I need to witness to somebody. Now, I, I love Jesus with all my heart. And I, I loved him. And I thought, I need to witness to this guy. So I'm at the Washington Monument on Sunday afternoon, really pretty hot day. And there's people sitting out on the, on the lawn. They're, they're going to have a little concert down in, below over here. And I'm sitting out there, and I see this man, this pitiful man sitting on, on a bench right close to the monument. And I thought, this homeless man needs to know about Jesus. So I went up to him and started talking to this homeless man. He was not a homeless man. He was a physics professor at George Washington University. <laughs> a nuclear physicist professor. And I want to tell you something. He destroyed me. <laughs> I am telling you, I thought I came in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I came and that guy had me so twisted and... He, and, and I remember what he said to me, what do you think you can take your hillbilly Alabama religion and bring it to everybody? Why are you so arrogant to think you're the only one that knows? And I remember going, I never thought of that before. <laughs> How did he know I was from Alabama? Guess. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> can I talk to you a minute? <laughs> I'm telling you, guys, it, he had me so so confused, there wasn't anything I could say. And my friend just left. He just left, just went off. He didn't want any part of it. I was devastated because I thought I'd, I'd done a good job. I'd witnessed to a lot of Bible Belt people all my life. 
This is the first non-Bible belter I had met. I'll be honest with you. I, I remember going off and going, God, I, I don't know anything. you got to help me. I, I need to know how to talk to these people. And you know what? I didn't throw my faith away. thought about it for a brief second or two. But I thought, God, I need to know what I believe and why I believe it. I don't know anything about nuclear physics, but I know this guy still needs Jesus. I don't care how smart he is. He's not smart enough to know God yet. And I remember saying, God, I want to do everything I can do to be able to reach those people. That's when I started learning about these things called apologetics, where you're able to learn to talk to people that they may know a whole lot more than you do in one area, but there's some things you know that are truth and how you can share that truth with them. It was one of the greatest days of my life for me to crash and burn right by the Washington Monument. But I knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus is the only way. He is the way. You know, it's reported by surveys that uh, people in the United States are more open to spiritual things now than they ever were before. Not necessarily religious things, but spirituality. But the problem is it it could be New Age spirituality, uh, earth goddess worship, Eastern mysticism, satanic cults. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be Christianity. They're open to all kind of craziness. There's this... um, Hot off the press information, 2019 information from the Pew Research Center that says this. The percentage of nuns, I don't mean Catholic ones, N-O-N-E-S, people that believe they have no religion, they they are in a category called, religious category, none. None. They're atheist, agnostic, don't care. The percentage of nuns in America now, is 23%. That's a quarter of the population. The percentage of evangelicals, that's what we are. We, that means Bible-believing Christians, not, not, uh, not just people who claim the name and go through the motions of cultural Christianity, but I'm talking about evangelical, Bible-believing Christians, people who believe in being born again. Guess what the percentage of that is in America? 22%. Did you hear what I just said? The percentage of nuns, people with none, is 23, and the percentage of evangelicals is 22. So now there are at least as many Americans who reject the belief in any religion than there are people who know the truth about Jesus. By the way, this is the one that got me the most. Of those 23% in the none category, 78% of them walked away from Christianity. Walked away. In other words, they once were considered believers. We live in an age of spiritual confusion that's uneasy. They don't understand absolute truth. They want to be able to choose from a smorgasbord of all kind of religious beliefs and religions or to have none at all, which is people's choice. We're greatly influenced by television and internet and movies and, and all kind of internet religion and, and history channel religion and all kind of things that Jesus warned about. Jesus said, In Matthew 24, many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, 
I'm the answer, I'm the Savior, and they'll deceive many people. We know that, and so what, what it is, we see in our own nation, people just sort of give up trying to understand, saying it's impossible to know or believe anything. So they just, they just throw their hat anywhere they want to throw it, or they don't throw their hat at all. That creates confusion, because there are these competing philosophies that are coming at everybody all the time, claiming to be true, and it's really hard to sort out things that are true. And I understand that. I understand. I don't, I don't judge them for it, because... It's a difficult world to, to, to be a part of. So the devil operates in two different ways here. One way is to withhold information away from people. That's what happens in like communist countries, Islamic countries or whatever. They don't allow Bibles to be printed. They don't allow um, any, any talk of faith. They persecute people. But the other way he uses it is he overwhelms people with all kind of information. So much information that people just believe whatever I feel like I want to believe right now, I'll believe. And so they just fall for whatever. So he either withholds information or he lets people be overwhelmed with it. So it's important for us to read the Bible and see what the Bible says. Because the Bible tells us who the claims of Jesus are. So I, being an ignorant Christian is not a good thing. It's just not. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life no man comes to the Father but by me. Now that sounds rather exclusive to me. Jesus is the exclusive Savior because he is the truth. Truth is a person. Do you hear me? Truth is a person. You remember when Jesus, this just went through my brain. Uh, do you remember when uh, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And he was looking at him. <laughs> he was looking at him. Jesus wasn't just saying he was truthful or his teachings were true. He was truth. He is the embodiment of truth. He not only spoke the truth, Jesus is the truth. Why is truth so important? Because the eternal destiny hangs on the fact of whether or not we understand who the truth is. If our lives are not built on the foundation of truth, they're built on a lie, and then our life becomes a sham. Let's go back to the musketeers for a minute. All for one and one for all. So we've looked at the word one, and we are, hopefully, we're convinced as believers, there is one Savior, his name is Jesus. And the Bible teaches it, and we know it. Here's the other, the word all, that's point two, all. The Bible says a lot about all. I want to read to you from Romans 3. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely through grace, by grace through redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Did you see all those alls? All have sinned, all are in a pit, all are in a hopeless situation. But all who simply believe can be freely redeemed through one Savior. That's what it says. John 3.16 says it. Whoever puts their trust in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. That includes whoever. Whoever believes. That's just the beginning of God's promises to us. He's the Savior of whoever. He's the Savior of anyone. That word all is a big word. 
Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light, light of life. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I love this one. I want you to read it with me. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, richly blesses all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That word all is a big deal. Do you get it? All and everyone, anyone, everyone who trusts the Savior, Jesus Christ, will be saved. He's the Savior. He's not just one Savior. He's the Savior of all. Wow, what a Savior. Look at Isaiah 49, 26. Then all mankind will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Not just Americans, not just Southern Christians. All mankind will know that I am the Lord, your Savior. There's one Savior, and he's one Savior for everyone. Anyone and everyone. That includes me. That includes you. That includes anyone and everyone you know. And anyone and everyone you don't know. That means Jesus is enough all by himself. Did you hear that? Oh, my goodness. Jesus and his death on the cross was enough all by himself. Oh, man. Jesus is enough for anyone and everyone, no matter who they are. But it's even better than that. He is enough for anyone and everyone, no matter what they've done. No matter who, no matter what. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done. Wow. Sometimes we believe Satan's lies. And Satan's lies are the one, usually we, we end up believing as Satan's lies in a million different ways. But he comes and he says, yes, Jesus is the Savior, but you've gone too far. You've gone, you, you crossed the line too many times. You promised me you wouldn't do that again, and you did. And so I'm tired of you. Folks, that is a lie. That is a lie. That is a huge lie. Because Jesus is enough for you no matter what you've done or how many times you've done it. That's what the scripture says. It's a common lie that's derailed millions of peoples. Jesus is your savior, but you're too far gone. Look at what the scripture says. This, this, this scripture has in many ways changed the way I look at a lot of things. I want you to look at this scripture. This is from 1 Corinthians 6. Or do, you not, not, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Listen to this. Neither the sexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers or men who have sex with men or thieves or greedy nor drunkards nor slanderers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Look at this. 
And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. That means set apart. You were justified. That means made right. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Oh my gosh. What? You, read the, you read this stuff that says, these people cannot go to heaven. And he names all the stuff that we've done. And some of the worst of the worst in our minds. I mean, everybody has their own list of what's worse. And what's worse is always what I didn't do. But did you notice it didn't say that there's some kind of level this is worse than this? It just said, but. He said, some of you are all of that. Now, he's writing to a church. I, I, I think I've told this before. I don't remember what I've told before, what I had. Jim Ruth, you have to let me know. But uh, I don't know what I've told, what I had sometimes. But um, she knows all my stories. That's why I said that. Uh, my, my aunt, I have a wonderful aunt. Her name's Charlotte. I have a granddaughter named Charlotte, too. It's a family name. And uh, Aunt Charlotte came here to church one time. She sat right back over there. And uh, Pastor Ron was preaching at the time, and he was preaching, and people were worshiping God. And, and while he was preaching, he said, how many of you used, and he started naming things. How many of you used to be drug addicted? How many of you used to be alcoholic? How many of you have been in uh, sexually sinful lifestyles? How many of you, and Jesus set you free. And hands are going up everywhere. And my aunt goes, oh, <laughs> she said, she, she's a Presbyterian, wonderful, wonderful. She goes, wow, I, I've never been in a church with so many people that had that background. <laughs> and I said, oh, yes, you go to one now. You just don't know it. <laughs> and we talked about that, how Jesus is enough for people no matter where they've been or what they've done. Folks, we don't brag or celebrate what we used to do. But I brag and celebrate that I'm free from it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So he's not just the Savior for all. He is the Savior for all, whoever they are or whatever they've done. <laughs> no one is too far gone because Jesus is enough. Um, I want to tell this story uh, it, it actually was featured in my, my blog that I have recently, but I got to tell the story because it matches. Uh, I think one of the reasons I put it there was because I wanted to tell it today. Uh, my grandfather, his name was John T. Nichols. Uh, my middle name is Nichols. I was named after him. My grandfather, I adored him. He was a World War I veteran. And uh, when I was a young guy, I mean, I was in grade school, um, he got sick. He, uh, he, we call it now Alzheimer's, but he, back in the day, they called it hardening of the arteries. Anybody ever heard of that? Uh, it's, they call it Alzheimer's now. And he got to where he was doing dangerous things. He'd go out in the middle of the night, take a gun. He was, you know, going to pick cotton and in the middle of the night in his underwear and all these things. So they, we had, we had to put him in, um, an institution, the veterans, institution in, in Tuscaloosa, and he, he was there for the remainder of his life because it, it was dangerous, and my grandmother couldn't do it all by herself. And uh, my grandfather had never accepted Jesus as his Savior, 
My grandfather was in World War I, and when he came home from World War I, he was different. He wouldn't go to church anymore. Now, World War I was the first of the super modern wars that had so much, so much killing and very little purpose. <laughs> and uh, my grandfather was a machine gunner, a machine gunner. And um, people would ask him, why, why would you go to church? He would go to church like when my mother and my aunt were baptized or were in some program or whatever. And he was a nice man and everybody liked him and he was kind and all that kind of stuff, but he wouldn't go to church. And he told somebody, he told my grandmother one time, he had killed too many Germans for God to ever accept him because he was a machine gunner. And you know how they would get out of the trench and run across no man's land? He just mowed them down. And, my, and, and, and he saw our guys getting mowed down by, the, by the, the enemy. It was the dumbest thing in the universe to have that kind of war, but that's what they had. It's awful. And um, he came home just saying, there's no way God would accept me. And he was a good man, honest as all get out. He, 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 he didn't uh, smoke, drink, cuss, or run with those that do, but he just absolutely wouldn't accept Jesus. And so my grandmother was just devastated when he uh, developed what we call Alzheimer's because his mind was gone, and she's going, how in the world can he accept the Lord? And so a, a pastor told her, said, God can go beyond the mind into the spirit. You just keep praying for him. And she did. And one day... In 1965, my grandmother uh, got in with my aunt, uh, drove to Tuscaloosa from Ashland, which was a three-hour drive at the time, and they went to see him. The last few times he had, she had been there, he didn't even know who she was. And uh, so they went up there, and they got to the room, and, and they walked in the room, and he was sitting in a chair. He, he was straight back. He just looked like a prince sitting there, and he turned, he looked at her, and he said, Estelle! And she just froze and and he she went over to him and he pulled out something out of a uh, he pulled a little um, packet out of a a little pouch out of a drawer and said this is for you and it was a gold watch that his father had given him and it had a note that says from John to Estelle and um he gave it to her uh, I have it now and uh I have the little note as well and uh, she was just, she was floored. He knew her. And, she, and he said to her, you don't have to worry. I've made everything right with God. Oh, my goodness. And my grandmother just, she flipped out. She grabbed him, and they hugged and hugged and hugged, and she cried and cried and cried. And as soon, before she left the room, he did not know who she was. God had just folded time over and made a, little, made a little crease in it, and he allowed him to, to speak and to let her know her prayers were answered. She lived another 28, 38 years, and she never doubted one time there would be a reunion because God had done that because he was the Savior. No matter what anybody's done. He's such a good Savior, he can go into the Spirit and bypass the mind sometimes. He's such a good Savior. He thought he was too far gone, but he wasn't. Let me, let me tell you something that's an everlasting truth that needs to sink down in your heart that I am totally convinced of and something that I know, that I know, that I know. And I'm not going to tell it to you, I'm going to read it to you from God's Word. And it says this.
For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the things present, nor future, nor any power, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. One Savior for anyone and everyone, no matter who you are or what you've done. This morning, I invite you to come to that Savior. I'm, he, he's going to be meeting you here today. I want you to bow your heads, if you will, with me. Just close your eyes for a second. Today, if you have wondered in your life if Jesus really is the one, if, you've really, if you're really walking in the truth, if you really know, or maybe you're confused by all the other things you hear and see on TV or see on the internet today you're saying wow it is true I need my faith to be renewed in Jesus or maybe you're here today you've never ever put your faith in Jesus or maybe you're here today and you have put your faith in Jesus but you think it's just not quite enough to cover what all you've done because the devil's lied to you and told you that he's just too far away for you to access if you're any of those things I'm speaking to you right now Jesus is here for you and he's enough for you no matter what you're going through there is no pit that he's not deeper. There is no problem that he is not greater. And there is no place in your mind or spirit you are that he can't reach. He is the one Savior who has borne it all for you. Lord Jesus, I pray you'll speak to people's hearts right now. If you'll look this way again, I'm, I'm going to ask our prayer team, if you'll just begin to make your way here, if you will. In fact, would everyone stand with me? Just stand with me. Prayer team, if you'll come and take your place at the front. I, I feel very, very uh, confident today that when we lift up Jesus, he draws all men to him. <laughs> And I am very confident today that there's some of you in this place today who need him, maybe to be your savior for the first time, maybe to renew your faith in Christ, or maybe you need him to reassure you that you have not gone too far for him to reach you. So today, whatever burden you brought in here that you think is bigger than you are, it's not bigger than God. And I want you to come in just a moment. When they start singing, I just want you to come. And I want you to find a person to just agree with you in prayer. Would you do that with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that as we, as we begin to sing, I pray, Lord God, that you will draw people to you who just need new confidence 
Jesus in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would y'all step out right now? Somebody just step out and come. Somebody's waiting.